Hello, everyone, and welcome to David and Jeff's Survivor Podcast. I'm David, and with me, as always, is... Jeff! How are you doing, Jeff? I'm wonderful. How are you today, David? I'm doing all right. Uh, we're recording this pretty late for you. Yeah, it's almost 1.15 here, and I have a busy week, so... But I'm really excited to talk about this episode. I wanted to make sure that I could get my voice in, just since it was such a big episode. Yeah, uh, what are your thoughts on it? Oh, I thought it was really entertaining. It was somewhat uncomfortable at times just because you know that this is, like, affecting Brandon's life outside of the game. But from an entertainment standpoint, I think it's pretty unmatched as far as this season goes. Uh, There's a big debate going on, uh, the online community, of whether this is a uh, horrible episode in the uh, downfall of Survivor as we know it, or if this was one of the, like, most entertaining, best episodes ever. Where do you fall in this scale? I understand. The, I, I think it was a really entertaining episode, but I do understand the people who say that it was bad. I'm not so sure it'll cause like the downfall of the show as we know it, but I mean, it definitely did carry some ramifications just because it really was uncomfortable to watch, especially when you know that this guy is, he has some serious issues and he needs, he needs to not be on Survivor. Yeah, I don't know how much you've read of exit interviews and everything, but um, Ross, uh, Brandon is now really pushing for a Russell and Brandon season. Oh, so he wants to come back. Yes. I, oh, wow. But his cat, his uh, thing is, if I'm coming back, Russell has to be coming back, too. They'll, they'll never bring him back. There's no way they would ever bring him back now. Really? It just happened. No. They'll never bring Brandon Hans back. I hope show. you're right. I don't have as much faith as you. Yeah, I mean, I think Jeff Probst, though, handled the entire situation, like, really well. I think the, Jeff Probst is the reason that Brandon didn't punch Philip. Uh, it very well could be. Uh, and in the interviews, Brandon was saying how he wasn't—he was never really going to get physical or anything. He said the closest—the closest he came, he said, is when he mentioned his kids. But other than that, right? When Philip said that, I thought Brandon was going to run over there and punch him. Yeah. But Jeff—I thought Jeff is the reason that he didn't. And of course, Brandon says that now. But I think, yeah, I think he was really pissed off. And but, Jeff, I thought, handled the situation really well. And I mean, Jeff gets a lot of crap from the online survivor community, but it's his. You know, it's his actions that is the reason that Philip didn't get punched. Yeah, and uh, Brandon not remorseful at all for anything that he did. Of he's not. <laughs> Basically, in all of his interviews, he said, you're welcome. Well, but, but anyway. Yeah, we are going to be talking with uh, some different fans uh, about their episodes and getting their opinions. We're going to be talking with Stephanie Katz, who we've had on several times. And we are going to be having Chad Kincaid as well. Uh, first time on the, the podcast, but uh, we've been wanting to get him on for a while, and I think uh, he'll be fun to talk to as well. Unfortunately, Jeff will not be joining us for that, but uh, we'll have yes, to make do without him. I do him. look forward to listening to it. Yeah, because I'm sure he listens to every podcast he's not in. Yep. <laughs> but uh, anyways, before we get to that, let's do uh, quick our uh, confessional count and DJ rules. So. Yes, well, a confessional count for this uh, for this episode. Um, you chose for the most for the favorites. You said Brandon, whereas I said Cochran. It's actually Cochran had zero this last episode. Yeah, first which I time. Really, really surprising. Um, and but Brandon had six. Obviously, you, you read that one right. I told you you were wrong, but you were right. Yep. Um, so you get the point there. Uh, for the most for the fans, you said Michael, whereas I said Reynolds. And once again, you were correct. I don't know. Yeah where they found confessionals with Michael, but they sure did, and he wins. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it was 3-2, to two, right? I mean, it wasn't like yeah, a landslide. It was, 
Eddie actually had the most, which was surprising. Yes, yes. Um, and then for the least, uh, we both got zero with Brenda and Julia. Uh, you chose Brenda, I chose Julia. So that means that um, we both you're at point. 10 now, and whereas I'm at 6. So you're kind of crushing me at this point, but hopefully hopefully I can turn things around within the next couple weeks. Well, uh, I think it's time to change our rules. There is a, Looks like there's going to be a tribe shuffle, and uh, I think it is now time to just have a most and a least confessional. I think that's probably the right decision. Um, so since you are going first for the least confessionals this week, do you mind if I go first for the most? Nope, go for it. Okay, I'm going to say for the most confessionals, we are going to see Philip Shepard. It's a really, really good pick. Uh, <laughs> I didn't really have that well of a backup plan. Uh, my one thought is Corinne. They've showed her. I think she may be coming to an end soon, unfortunately. Uh, my other thought is, is Reynolds, because I'm sure they'll he'll have a lot to say switching to a new tribe and everything. Um, so tribe switch, we don't know that. We don't know that for certain, but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna risk and say Reynolds. Reynolds, cool. And then who would be your pick for the least confessionals? Julia. Wow, that, that's a tough pick. You're uh, you're really walking the line. On I know. That. Well, I you better go with one. the other one. Right, uh, I'm going to pick Brenda, obviously. I, that was actually, I almost picked Brenda, so it wasn't a super easy pick, but neither of well, them seem to be doing it. We always have Eric as well. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, it should be an interesting episode. I'm really excited to see if it's going to be a tribe swap. I assume that's what it is, but you never know with Survivor. You never know. Sometimes they curveball. So, but it should be an interesting episode. DJ Rules? DJ Rules. So this week, we are going to read you the top five David and Jeff's rules for throwing and or forfeiting a challenge. Yes, we just saw that the favorites forfeited a challenge, uh, making Brandon Hans leave. This has been sort of a a controversy through, well, even season one, I think maybe people have just... I mean, BB talked about, should we throw some challenges? So, I mean, this has been an issue since the very beginning of Survivor. And we are going to give you some tips on about throwing and, and forfeiting challenges. And it's been an issue from the very beginning of Survivor. It doesn't happen very often, but it seems like every season there's someone who at least considers it. So I think it's a really important uh, issue that we, we talk about. And if you ever come in the situation when you're playing Survivor, you're going to have five five good rules to know what happens. Yep. So it, our first DJ rule for forfeiting and throwing challenges, only do it if it affects your ability to eat. Yeah. Obviously, we saw this today, uh, or excuse me, on, on this episode, when Brandon Hance poured out all of the rice for the entire tribe, poured out all of the beans for the entire tribe, uh, which I'd say is a pretty egregious, uh, egregious offense. So I would say this was an appropriate time to throw a challenge and get rid of him. Yeah, this is uh, nine times out of ten, I think everyone will tell you, do not throw a challenge, do not forfeit a challenge. It's never really a good idea. But in this case, um, when you're trying to survive on an island and someone is threatening your actual survival, it's time to get rid of them. Yes, I would agree. So, for nine times out of ten, don't do it. However, there are always exceptions to the rule. Going to number two. When throwing a challenge, if uh, if your tribe has decided to do this, 
make sure you are overly cocky in all of your confessionals. And I think we'd like to point out, David, that the second rule is not necessarily for your advancement in the game, but rather is for the enjoyment of David and I watching the episodes. Yes, and everyone watching. Yeah. Yes. You we find make it sure. funny when people get overly cocky and then get voted out. Yeah. You just want to make sure. If you, if you are going to throw a challenge, make sure you give them good material. Yeah. Get, get a soundbite or two in there. Yeah. Okay. Number three. If you go to an immunity challenge and realize your tribe is deciding to sit out your most athletic people, they may be throwing it to vote you out. It's true. I mean, uh, a good example of this, Cook Islands, where, you know, (laughs) they had uh, JP sit out instead of Billy for the balancing and, you know, sort of agility. Uh, (laughs) You know, you got to be thinking, hmm, if uh, they're sitting the the people who would be sort of perfect for this challenge, maybe, uh, maybe they're, (laughs) maybe they're doing something. So you either have to, like, A try your darndest to win in spite of them throwing it, or be quickly be thinking of ways that you can save your butt after you do lose. Right. Another good example would be Rupert in Pearl Island sitting out of the uh, the, the floating battle chessboard. Yeah, because it was like Rupert and Burton. Yeah. Oh, it's just rotation. Yeah. That's <laughs> Number four. Do not give up immunity after you've already won it. We saw this in Survivor One World, maybe one of the dumbest moves anyone's ever done. If your tribe has won immunity, don't give it to the other tribe just because you want to get someone out. That's that's dumb. Unless it goes back to rule one, unless they are (laughs) throwing away your food. Right, and it harkens like it. it, It's weird because after you've won immunity, in order to give it up, it has to be a unanimous decision. And if you're the one holdout, it probably means that they're targeting you. So never agree to do that. Yes. And the fifth DJ rule for throwing and forfeiting challenges, do throw the challenge after a tribe swap if your alliance on the other tribe is in the minority. We saw this in Survivor China. It was one of the best, I think one of the best parts of that season when Jamie and PG threw the challenge because they knew that it would uh, mean that their alliance would stay safe. Yeah, exceptions to this rule, hidden immunity idols can uh, tamper with it a little bit, throw things into game. Like, if they would have thrown the the subsequent one, then one of them would get voted out because James had the idol. Uh, but it's just something that... Uh, it's generally a good idea. I mean, if, the other, if you have the people in, in your previous tribe are in the minority, you probably want to lose, so they... They keep their numbers, and if you have the majority on your side, then that's always good. Right, right. The, so, there are, again, there are exceptions to every rule, yeah. but I think these five rules are pretty succinct and pretty pretty lucid for throwing and forfeiting challenges. I'd also like to add the caveat, it is almost, almost always a bad idea, but again, there are situations. Yes. Yeah, but... Uh, Always think it through very well before you you come to any sort of decision on this. Absolutely. Well, should we uh, should we get the fans on the line? Well, yeah, you enjoy talking to Stephanie and Chad, and uh, I'll enjoy listening to it, David. All right, sounds good. Here we go. And we now have our first Survivor Roundtable of the season. I am here with the one and only Stephanie Katz 
And the first time on our podcast, Chad Kincaid, uh, we've been trying to get him on for a while, and we finally <laughs> found a time that worked. So uh, great to have you guys both here with us. It is Thanks. always a pleasure. Thanks, man. Sorry, I, I, my, I had a busy schedule and life issues, and so I'm glad to spend some time with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is obviously a pretty big dramatic episode so we were like we want to get some fans perspective people would have different views of this uh this episode and how this went down so uh let's just get talking with it and let's just get your overall opinion on the episode itself let's start with you chad i found it very disturbing uh i found it very hard to watch you know uh, like i felt bad for the uh favorites uh seeing them cry like that and like i said you know, if Brandon had a problem with Philip, he should have done it the normal way and played the game of Survivor, found a way to vote him out, instead of being a jerk and throwing everybody's rice and beans away and making everybody suffer. I just thought it was very disturbing and uncool. And, you know, I rate that as the lowest moment of Survivor, even lower than Colton. And that's pretty bad, so... Yeah, I mean, I, I was reading some of Brandon's exit interviews today, and he was, everyone was asking him, you know, how do you justify hurting everyone's rice and, and food supply and not just Phillips? And he's like, well, none of them were really wanting to do anything, <laughs> so it was their own fault, is basically what he said. They were yeah. all just not yeah, wanting re- to get him out. Yeah, in reading his exit interviews, I mean, he shows no guilt, no remorse. He's basically proud of himself, and that's – I just shook my head. I, I, I was like, why did I even read these interviews in the first place? It's just – I wasted, like, two minutes of my life just reading the exit interviews. So, Stephanie, what were your thoughts? Well, I didn't read exit interviews because I'm not that – much like I don't care that much about it <laughs> um like the exit interviews at least I'll read about them when everyone else in the world posts about them online and I read all their posts but I'm probably in the minority in that I found the episode humorous and I even watched it again today with my brother and I still found it humorous even after reading everyone's opinions last night and seeing what everyone else thought about it and having those opinions in my head while I was watching it oh, I couldn't I couldn't help but like feel like I'm looking at the fans' reactions during that whole, like, immunity challenge, like, scene, and I'm just being, like, they're all, like, they're shocked, but they're loving it, they're enjoying it, they are ecstatic that they're, like, this is what's going down, and I'm sitting there being, like, this is awesome, like, I'm sure I would have been scared if I was there, but it wasn't my tribe, so I probably would have loved it from being on the other side. Yeah, it was definitely interesting and, and almost awkward having the other tribe there, even when they're doing this quote-unquote tribal council. Yeah, what do you guys think? Do you think they should have sent the fans back to the camp? Do you think it was fair and okay that they had the, the fans there while Jeff was dealing with all this stuff with Brandon and Philip? Absolutely not. I don't think they should have been involved. They didn't need to know really what's going on. I think enough people were affected by it, and now... They're like, like if you notice a lot of their faces, they were in shock. They didn't, they didn't expect that, and I don't think they should have been involved. That's my personal opinion on that. Like I said before, I'm in the minority, but a lot of everyone else in the Survivor world, I think it was fine that they were there. It wasn't an official tribal council. They were all voting, but the scenario, like 
there wasn't really a chance for Jeff to kind of be like, okay, guys, head back to camp. And, like, it would have just been awkward for him to say, guys, head back to camp, that it was probably better that they were just there and kind of just witnessing. Because it would be the same idea as if they won as if they won a reward where they got to sit in on tribal council and this whole thing went down. So I feel like they've had other tribes listen to people's tribal councils before, so it wasn't really that big a deal. It wasn't the tribal council setting, and there wasn't really an appropriate place for Jeff to be like, okay, now head back to camp, kind of like where they asked him to do his, like, fans win and he wouldn't do it because, like, it wasn't really appropriate. There wasn't really an appropriate place for him to, like, get them shuffling over and having everyone, like, kind of just stay there and then have this whole happen, it kind of just needed to happen at that point. And the fans just kind of had to be there kind of just in the background. I don't even think it affected them because they were going to find out anyway. At some point, they were going to find out. I'm sure, like, something was going to happen where they were going to find out. There wasn't, like, to me, it wasn't anything that was going to affect anything that much that they shouldn't have been there. But yeah. Yeah, here my sort of take on it, I guess guess is sort of in between you guys. Like I think for the first half or even two thirds of it, it wasn't Jeff didn't call it a tribal council, it wasn't officially a tribal council, it was sort of just people ranting and they were still talking about, you know, giving up the immunity and forfeiting and everything. So I think that part they were you know, it was perfectly fine that they were gonna be there because it hadn't even started yet. But when Jeff said, Okay, this is tribal council, we're going to do it now. That's the the time where I think maybe he could have slipped it in. All right, give the immunity to the fans. Fans, go, congratulations. Let's finish this right here, Philip, Brandon, and, and favorite tribe. But even like you were just saying that, giving the fans that time, or giving Brandon or whatever, like giving the situation that time to like pause, wasn't really going to do anything. So when he called her tribal council, that's when they started talking. But Eric still had the idol, and like he still had immunity in his possession. They needed to wait until Jeff was like, "Okay, well now we're going to vote because they can't vote with the idol." So that's when Eric went to go give it to the other side. It wasn't really going to benefit anyone for it to have happened sooner than did. I think that everything happened perfectly in line to when it should have happened and when it was beneficial to happen. And I'm like I said, I'm going to say this entire time I'm in the minority. I think it was played out exactly as it could have been, the best way it could have been. Well, what did you? What were your guys' thoughts on how Jeff Probst handled everything? Uh, do you think, you know, obviously he, he is, he's sort of coming up with everything on the spot. Do you think he did a good job, you know, trying to prevent physical altercations and controlling the situation? Or do you think he could have done uh, something better and more effective? Uh, concerning the uh, situation, yeah, he was good at taking Brandon away from this, the um, scenario, well, bringing him to his side. I think he went a little far massaging his shoulders <laughs> and all that. Uh, I, You know, him playing a part of masseuse and psychiatrist, I think he should have just went, personally, I think he should have just went straight to the voting part and, you know, you know, he didn't have to massage his shoulders and all that. You know, I think he went a little far there, but I think he did do the right thing and took Brandon away from the tribe before punches were thrown. So yeah, he did good on that part. I just think he went a little too far. He did well. I, um, I think that it was handled 
the way the best way it could have been handled, and he did the best way he could, and the situation didn't get out of hand because not only the fact that this is a fans versus favorites, but the favorites that are on this season respect the show. And the fact that they respect the show means that they respect Jeff and they respect what he does. And I feel like he's able to, especially because it was the favorites and he knows them better than he knows the fans, he knows how to, like, get inside their heads. Like, he knows how to work with them. He knows how to get them to relate to him. He can relate to them. So he's able to relate to Brandon in a way that Brandon will respect him and listen to him. Like, people were people in the message boards were saying how Jeff made the comment, like, you want to be in a neutral zone, so come stand in the neutral space. But he didn't make that comment until after Brandon already started walking over to him. Basically, he said, Brandon, come here. And Brandon said, okay, Jeff, and walked over. And, like, it's because he has that, like, respect uh, from the players that I don't know in a lot of seasons he has the same respect, but I feel like it probably isn't as much as it would be when it's players who have been on the show before and they know what goes into it and they know what he does for the show. So they know, like, that he can relate to them. And with certain players, it just works out better. So in this sense, he was able to work with Brendan and have Brendan, like, everything Brendan was doing, he was like, I'm doing it for you. Like, I'm not doing this. Like, I know that, like, to be good to you and to be nice to you and to not ruin what this is, I'm going to be, hold back whatever I have to. So I think that it was good because he had that respect from everyone. Yeah, for, for me, I'm sort of with Chad on, okay, he's massaging a bit, calm him down, but I didn't think the massage needed to go that long, considering, like, he was saying, like, the sixth person voted out, and he's still massaging him while he's saying that. I was like, couldn't you take his hands yeah. off for a minute while you said the sixth person voted out? Well, only because it, was, it wasn't even that he was massaging him to massage him. Like, you can tell he was doing it to keep him calm, to he, he was basically holding on to him to make sure he didn't go anywhere. And so until he knew that he was definitely not going to go anywhere and that he was going to fully listen to him, he had to keep, he had to keep him, he had to keep his hands on him because he still had that sense in the back of his head where if he let go of him, he did not know where, if Brandon was going to stay there. I, he had I, to make sure Brandon was okay first and would actually stay and would actually listen to him. Like, my thing the whole time, when he tells Brennan to walk around behind the challenge and wait for him, as he's walking around, and even the second time I watched, when I had already known what was going to happen, I'm expecting Brennan to, like, walk past the fans, say whatever he wants, walk around the challenge, and then somehow, like, appear and just, like, run over. Like, I just kept waiting for him to just, like, appear again and, like, go to run and tackle him, because he was already out of the game. Like, I just kept waiting for that to happen. And so I feel like Jeff had to know that that wasn't going to happen before he actually let him go. All right, what are you guys' thoughts on, we, we're talking about the big confront, confrontation at the challenge. What were your thoughts with uh, the stuff leading up to it? And uh, let's even start with the whole Brandon wanting to quit, and then the next day saying, no, I don't want to quit. And uh, it's, it's this whole thing with Philip. What were you guys' thoughts on that? You know, with Brandon wanting to say he's going to quit for his family and his kids and coming around and saying, I'll be strong for my family and kids. If he was truly normal, he would have stuck to his word the first time instead of dragging it out and, you know, starting this whole ridiculous thing with Philip and throwing the rice, the beans and making everybody else life a living hell. He would have just done the normal thing 
he would have done what he said he was going to do the first time, and that's like leave uh, with somewhat of dignity, dignity, you know? I think that complaining that he wanted to quit and then the next day didn't want to quit, he's not the only one in Survivor history who's done that. I Everybody in every season says they want to quit when weather's bad, when they're homesick, when they're hungry, when they're tired, when they're losing. I can just keep naming reasons why people in every season have said they wanted to quit. And then something changes, and all of a sudden they don't want to quit. Holly said she wanted to quit like 12 times in the beginning of Nicaragua, and then she ended up being like the mother figure who tried to stop PK and Nyanka from quitting. And... Shamar wanted to quit this season, and Chelsea wanted to quit in One World in, like, the third episode when it was, like, raining and the guys weren't going to give them any food or fire. And then she ended up somehow making it to the final three. So people say they want to quit all the time, and very few people have actually gone through with it. That I think that that wasn't anything for people to complain about, the fact that he said he wanted to quit and then changed his mind. Well, we sort of saw this whole, or, or Brandon getting annoyed with Philip here or there, uh, Philip being annoyed with Brandon, back and forth. Uh, who did you sort of, at this point, before any of the big drama happened, who were you sort of uh, were relating to or thought had a valid argument? Were you sort of like, yeah, val- Brandon has a point, Philip is sort of crazy and demeaning and everything or were you with philip that brandon is just unstable or could you sort of see both points to be honest i saw both points to a tad uh before the big blow up i could see brandon's point in the whole stealth r us thing is as funny as it is i could see where some of the tribe members were kind of like felt that that was demeaning but at the same time you know i saw philip's point where brandon could be you know, how should I put this? Very uh, unstable. Yeah, unstable. I mean, I saw both points until the big blow up. So, you know, I could see both stories. But at the end, you know, Brandon's the one that actually intimately lost it and ruined it for everybody. So, but that's my point on that. So, I think all of Brandon's points about Philip were extremely accurate and necessary. And warranted. And on my original watch yesterday, I related to Brandon 100% and was just like, well, I mean, obviously there is something wrong and there is some kind of unstableness that made him lash out this quickly or made him go back and forth this much and made him like get to this point. But there are other factors. I think everything he said about Brent, about Philip leading up to it was perfectly fine. But Philip also had some points about the fact that he, the fact that he was unstable and probably needed to be gotten rid of sooner because it would affect the morale of the tribe. And then he did make the point when him and Brandon were talking. He goes, "Well, if they don't like me, they'll vote me out," which is probably the sanest and most intelligent and honest thing that he's said in two seasons. Yeah, for me, I think. Ultimately, what it came down to is Brandon was just frustrated. He realized that he wasn't in control of the game. He wasn't deciding who was getting voted out. He wasn't in the majority alliance. Um, as Or at least he perceived it. Maybe he was. Maybe they truly were going to you know, put him in instead of Corinne. But either way, he saw it as he wasn't in it. So then he thought, what was his options? And he, he talked to everybody, and it didn't seem to be working. And so 
I think he was like, well, I'm just dealing with this annoying Philip, and things aren't going my way. I can't change people's minds in the vote, so how else can I do things where I'm in control, so to speak? And the only thing he could think of was lash out and <laughs> just go crazy. Yeah. But that's what happens when you put two uh, unique individuals on a tribe, uh, both fighting for power. It's like oil and vinegar, you know? They both probably thought they were the alpha males, and that's what happens. All right, here's a uh, a question. What do you guys think uh, of the fans? Do you think they now, this is sort of going to be a big change for them now? They've got the morale. They won a challenge through forfeit. They're on the up and up. Uh, we saw we sort of saw previews for for next time that there may be a, a switch. Do you think that things are going to be looking well for them, or do you think that uh, this whole Brandon thing ultimately didn't matter, and the fan the favorites are still going to remain on top? I honestly, uh, as much as I love the fan tribe, I don't think it's going to matter, especially with a tribe switch, because tribe switch, you know, you're integrating new elements. Uh, keep in mind, they have not run a reward challenge yet. They don't have have any of the rewards yeah as you saw last week things were pretty bad for them so uh yeah it might be a little bit of a morale booster for them but i don't think it's going to really matter with the tribe switch i'm pretty sure that brandon's outburst is gonna have nothing to do with the tribe switch yeah well a tribe switch was probably inevitable anyway yeah and that the fate the fans are all relatively awesome characters that we've seen and they for the most part can play the game pretty well i think half of them are good players and half of them are not very good players so assuming that the half that are good players are going to be doing whatever they planned on doing originally they could do very well in a swap and it could make or break them and i think that the favorites will probably have some competition come next episode now that, like, the fans, in a way, knew that there was something up anyway, they probably had an idea there was something up, but they now, like, this will help them see that there really was, because, like, even if they hadn't sat through the quote-unquote tribal, the fact that the favorites were willing to just give them immunity probably tells them that there's something going on, so it might help them to break in and formulate gameplay and kind of see where they can get themselves. Because I don't see it at all being a easy one, two, three pagong of the fans at this point. Yeah, to me, I think it's all going to depend upon how the tribes are broken up. Uh, you know, it would seem that there's 8-6, they may do 4-3, 7 or are they going to keep it 8-6 and, and have a, a weird number like that? Either way, though, it's gonna. I think it's gonna depend on like are Philip and Corinne on the same tribe or are now they on different tribes because that could make a big difference and things like that. You know, are Cochran and Dawn and you know Malcolm and Eric on a tribe because I can see them sort of staying together. But if it's you know Philip and Corinne and you know Brenda and and Eric, I can see them splitting up. So I think. It it's all gonna matter how how unified are the favorites actually, and and will they start doing the well? The, these fans aren't threats at all. I don't need to get them out yet, sort of a thing. So uh, 
you you mentioned that you thought some of the fans were playing really well and others not so much. Uh, who do you guys think are the people playing really well or in control of the fans' tribe? My three? Sure. Based on what we see in the episode, my three who are actually playing are Reynolds, Mike, and Sherry. I don't know if Sherry's in control. I'm pretty sure Michael has more control over what's going on right now. And Sherry is kind of realizing that she lost control with Laura getting voted out. But in terms of gameplay and knowing the game and kind of being beneficial and being able to see them break into something later on, they're the three who I see have the most potential. Uh, my three are Reynolds, because uh, he's a hidden immunity finder. Uh, I haven't came up with a nickname yet, but uh, it's going to be him. Um Pretty much Eddie, because he's still a strong player, and Matt, only Matt, he's my boy, he's from Cincinnati, first survivor I met, pretty cool guy. That's my three, but mainly Reynolds, because he's like, he's a beast. I mean, he's kicking kicking butt in challenges, he's already found two hidden immunity aisles, he's not going anywhere, so that's my three. See, the only reason why I can't say Eddie is because he's not playing. <laughs> he's, he's Following like, Reynolds? Reynolds who's playing. But he's not really playing. Well, he's really tied with Reynolds, and Reynolds. Right, not, okay. so I can't say that he's actually. So, like, that's why he can't be my three. But, he's but he, I think Chad's more saying has potential to go far. But yeah, I agree. You you see like three or four people all searching for the hidden immunity idol. Reynolds finds no, it. No, not even and, three or four. They show every single person on the tribe right. at least once, and, ex- and except then Eddie. you see Reynolds find it. And he goes and you see Eddie laying in the shelter. He's the only one who was not looking for it. <laughs> he's like, oh, you found it? That's time. cool, bro. I didn't catch it the first time. I caught it today and I thought it was hilarious. I was like, of all the things, they even show Julia, who's non-existent. They show her, like, looking in a tree. <laughs> and the only person they don't show at all during that whole thing is who's laying Ju- in the shelter. Who's Julia? We haven't seen her all season. Who? What? Who's Julia? Who's that? Yeah, that that was popped in my head when you said there. You have all the fans are really great characters, and I was like, ah, not all the fans, Stephanie. <laughs> well, no, because they did show Julia a lot during the reactions of the fans in this tribal. They show um, Reynolds, and by association, Sherry, because she was sitting next to him, and they show Julia. They're the only three who they show for that entire sequence. Well, yeah, they're just... Whoever has the biggest reaction is going to get the... uh... They showed Eddie once, and he had a huge grin on his face, and I was dying of laughter. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's hilarious. Like, this whole thing's going down, and he's just sitting there smiling. So here's something that I found interesting watching the episode. This season, so far, we have not had a single puzzle uh, in this for any challenge. We finally get to the challenge and it looks like it's a puzzle challenge and and then they forfeit so they don't actually have to do it. So we yeah, still have yet to have a puzzle. Yeah, I noticed that too. It's it's been mostly water challenges, which I think is cool, but I you know, I think they're overdoing it on the water challenging. I also noticed they haven't done any puzzles. Yeah, well it's water and then tossing. My yeah. my dear friend Cody Ross has a conspiracy about why that is. You two probably know who he is, so all of your lovely viewers will now be able to experience him. He is John Cochran's best friend forever. and Or the he, exact opposite. Well, yeah. 
And his conspiracy is that Cochran is supposed to, like, go all the way. It's supposed to be, like, Cochran's season. And he sucks at puzzles. Therefore, they're not going to have any puzzles because Cochran's not physical and can't really do anything. And if there was a puzzle, Cochran would have to do it. And since he sucks at puzzles, they're not going to put any on. This way, he doesn't screw up the challenge. It's an interesting theory. I don't know. Uh, from from what I know, like most of their challenges are all pre-planned ahead of time, at least for the most part. I mean, there there's probably adjustments here or there. They have to scrap a challenge and put in a new one. Yeah, but they make all the challenges when they're making the cast. They make the challenges going in, knowing the type of season they're going to have and what their cast is. So even though I don't agree with my dear friend Cody Rouse's love for Cochran and his conspiracy theory, I, I understand that because that would could be a legitimate thing. It's plausible, yes. I, I'm re- I'm rooting for Cochran, Bella Ginger, you know. I find it interesting, this this episode was the first time we didn't really see that much of Cochran at all. We had no confessionals. We had that little uh, quip he had right at the beginning of the, the immunity challenge. But uh, other than that, we didn't hear really anything or his reactions to things. You know, another one we haven't heard much from is Brenda. Well, yeah, Brenda's been non-existent pretty much the whole season. <laughs> I, no, think... I think Cochran's non-existence this episode was mostly because... He wasn't as affected by the outbursts, which is weird because him and Brandon were like really close and South Pacific or whatever. But I think that his um, role this whole season has been basically telling us what's going on afterwards, being kind of like the, what's the word, the common sense sphere. He'll say things that like everyone who's watching can see for themselves. So he didn't really have anything to bring in this situation, and there was really nothing he could be like, Oh, yeah, Brendan's having an outburst. He just threw the rice. But we just saw that. It wouldn't really benefit a confessional at all. Well, I also heard in uh, interviews that that Brandon was very mad at Cochran after the whole Francesca thing. And apparently, like, he backstabbed and betrayed him uh, by voting Francesca and not Andrea. So uh, apparently they they were not buddies after that for the the rest of the season. So I, I agree with you that it probably did not affect him as much. Then he wasn't as personally invested in Brandon at that point. Uh, Francesca. My opinion on the Francesca thing was she was a first boot from Redemption Island. Rye bring her back, and there's this whole hoopla when she got voted out. Basically, she did her same strategy that she did in Redemption Island and got herself voted out. Now everybody's bashing Andrea and all the others for voting her out. I'm like, why? She was a first bit in the first place. Why bring her back? I think she just played a little too aggressively. I think she was so paranoid not to be the first one voted out that she wanted to take so much control and do what she could to ensure that that didn't happen, that people were like, well, she's taking control. So... Let's not do it. And ultimately, they were like, well, we can keep Philip around, and Francesca's more of a threat than Philip, so. Yeah. And it it was pretty apparent that they were both gunning after each other, and one of them was going to go. Yeah. It's just like a rehash of Redemption Island. It's just like, I mean, I, I thought cause they could have brought somebody else besides Francesca, because it, uh, this is just my personal opinion. She's definitely not a favorite. She's a first big. They could have brought so many more people back besides her. Well, I think she was the ultimate what if. Like, I, I know that she did have a lot of people 
after she was voted out, like, oh, she was so good for being a first boot. Like, that's too bad she didn't make it that far. But no one really knew, you know, what character she would be or how well she would have done if she made it past the first one. So it was sort of like we saw a little inkling, but uh, never saw any more than that. So they're like, well, what if, what if she did go farther? What would have happened? But yeah. uh, that will never be answered. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did you guys think of the the re- reward challenge? I think this was also in the first uh, fans versus favorites, but the whole uh, strength while throwing uh, coconuts. I had a friend watching with me on the on the uh, challenge, and uh, she brought up a good point. Why not wrap the rope around your hand? to make it more sturdy or wrap it around your knee instead of just holding it straight up. Other than that, I thought the reward challenge was pretty cool. Uh, Philip echoing prize to the other uh, opponents pretty hilarious and distracted. So like, I thought that was a pretty good reward challenge. Yeah, it, I, th- I would guess that they probably had a rule that you couldn't because I think we've seen... Because uh, the first time we saw people holding rope challenge was actually in Pearl Islands and they had I think Rupert versus Austin they were or holding their tribe member up but uh there there was a certain point in that challenge where they said all right there's no leaning there's no wrapping you just have to hold it straight on and I think since then they've just eliminated the the first part and they're like all right you just have to hold it there's no uh there's no wrapping it around you well see I didn't I didn't know that because I didn't hear Jeff or Jeff say, hey, you can't do that. Well, I, I'm, like, I'm pretty know, sure they saying, they didn't it? say it on the episode, but I would assume that that was one of the, the sub-rules uh, that, like, you would have to think one of the four of them would have thought of that if it wasn't a rule, you know. Right. I thought that Philip actually had a great strategy, even though I'm not a fit of his at all. He would comment every time... Sherry went to throw and it would mess her up. <laughs> I was surprised that the that Michael and that like Michael didn't pick up on that and start doing the same thing whenever Malcolm tried to throw into his. But um, Sherry was kind of proving that the girls suck because <laughs> she because she was complaining that they lost and they got rid of Laura, but Reynolds was the only one who actually got any coconuts into in, into the net. Yeah, it's another interesting thing. Beneficial? How exactly? <laughs> because uh, it's another strategy thing. How the 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 favorites were very, I think, intentional of dividing the coconuts evenly between the two, and the fans were more piling up on Brandon. Uh, well, no, they weren't because Sherry was throwing at Philip. Sherry and Eddie were throwing at Philip, and Reynolds and Julia were throwing at Mal- at Brandon. But I think Reynolds was the only one who was actually making contact. So he was the only one who's coping. Okay, so maybe they were trying to do both, but through their own inabilities. <laughs> they, only one was actually filling up. Well, and I also, that, that's more accurate. And also, why did why did somebody throw one at a time? If it was me, I'd grab a couple and just hoop them in there. Yeah, but No, I'm I, pretty sure it was in the rules that you had to throw one at a time. And only one person on your tribe can be up there throwing at a time. Because I saw Eddie, like, stand back at one point, And I was confused as to why he didn't just go when he had one. And I'm pretty sure we didn't hear all the rules correctly. But there was probably something where he had to wait while someone else threw a coconut. And then he could go. So they kind of had to take turns and also do one at a time. 
So, Stephanie, you're not going for a Phillips book? No. <laughs> <laughs> now, if Eddie, Malcolm, or Reynolds decide to write a book and have a picture of themselves shirtless on the cover, I would most definitely buy it. Keith <laughs> and Marcus can also write books. I'd buy theirs, too. <laughs> yeah, I heard you a little upset that uh, we didn't have you on when we had Marcus on, Stephanie. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> I was I cried. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. We'll just call you Dawn. Any other thoughts on uh, this episode that you guys had? Something that we didn't talk about? Not really. I just think it went down as the most disturbing episode in Survivor history. That's just me. I think the editing in this episode is weird. Because I I guess because there was no actual challenge, no actual tribal, they needed to fill in some more. Yeah. There was a lot of fan camp life in this episode. Yeah, it did. The only thing that felt normal to me about this episode was the reward challenge. There's a little normalcy there, but the rest of it, yeah, it just had a different flow to it. Especially because when we see, like, what this episode basically was about, and we were just talking about characters and, like, who's actually playing the game, and Eddie's not included really in any of that, and he had, I think, four confessionals. Yeah, he. I think he had the most on the, the fan thread. Yeah, I'm really confused by that, though. Like, that confused me. Why was he so relevant this episode? Who knows? What are your hopes for uh, the rest of the season coming up? What are, what are your hopes of where this season will go? Um, what are my hopes for where this season will go? I hope that I'm surprised. Because right now I haven't really been that surprised. And <laughs> I hope that with a supposed swap we see some new dynamics maybe we see some really unexpected things happen i don't even care if the people i really really like get voted out if it's like really epic and amazing and surprising and make great tv because at the end of the day we like the show because it's great tv like you're not going to watch something that sucks on tv uh i feel the same way i you know i want to see some things unexpected and cbs um You know, I love CBS and I love the show, but I think they give a little too much uh, into their previews and stuff. And I think by that, we are expecting what happens next episode. I think they should lay back off a little bit on their previews. Well, yeah, if you if you take the past three next time on Survivors, the, the the first two pretty much like only showed the fans. And then this one, this last one, uh where Brandon got out the, the next time leading up to it only showed the favorite. So it's like they're only fo- like the next time only focuses on the team that is obviously, you know, getting the most airtime and going to lose. <laughs> well, in that case, if we're going to go based on what happens in the preview for next episode, there's supposedly a tribe swap and Philip and Corinne are still going to be on purple That's... because they're wearing purple buffs in the beginning of the episode when they're talking about going after each other. And then later it talks about a tribe swap. So the only thing I can think of is they stay together in the swap. It's very, very possible. So, And I don't read spoilers, so you can't say that I'm spoiling it. Yeah, I don't read spoilers either. So this is a spoiler-free zone. Yeah, for me, I think it's been a while since we've had a audience blindside. Because the editors lately have been, in the past you know, couple seasons, have been even the blindsides we're well aware of them, you know? Like, sure, it's a blindside of the person who got voted out, but to the audience, we all saw it coming. 
And I, I really love audience blindsides where we honestly have no idea what's going to happen or we think it's going to be someone and it's completely the other person. So that's what I, I really want to see some audience blindsides. Like, I want to be surprised. I don't want the person voting out to be surprised. I mean... I think last season there were some blindsides that the audience didn't know. Yeah, there was a really good with the right around the merge, especially with the Jeff Kent episode. The RC vote and the Jeff Kent vote. Yeah, uh, there there were a couple really good ones, but uh, I would I agree with you, Stephen. For the most part, this season so far has been very predictable. And even yeah. when even like I'm trying to be like like I'm getting nervous that something that like I get nervous that Eddie would get voted out or whatever. But at the end, like, when he didn't, I was like, I knew he wasn't going to, but I was still nervous that he actually was. Well, before we uh, before we finish this podcast, we are going to have uh, a segment that we call Survivor Monologues. And what's going to happen is we are going to give dramatic readings from some of uh, the great Survivor quotes of the past 26 seasons. See if you can pick out who said it and from what season. Uh, we won't be doing we, we won't be doing impressions, so we're not uh, impersonating who said this, but we are doing dramatic readings of them. So, let's start uh, with with Stephanie. Give us one. What's his name? What's his birth name? It wasn't Coach. It wasn't Benjamin, wasn't it? And you know they're children, twenty six, twenty two. And they're over there listening to all of Benjamin's Halloween jokes. Chucky the Cheese jokes. He's going off of loyalty. Got them feet. Oh, Ben, we are so loyalty. Come on down. Every day got a story. I am buying it. They treated yesterday like the tribal was all cahoots. Benjamin, let's give up a hug. Keep that hug for me. Because it wasn't real. Okay. I know you don't know. And you didn't see it because his back was to you, and he's too big of an effing slob to see around. I was violated, humiliated, dehumanized, and totally spent, Jeff. It wasn't sorta, Jeff, because your his back was to you, Jeff. That's all I'm saying. And I'm effing spent, and I'm done with this effing game. There is no way that I can continue with my effing emotions pushing the ground that much. She died. Very nicely done. Golf clap for Stephanie. All right, Chad, take it away. Russell, this hurts me. We had nothing in common. You played an unethical game. Admittedly, you played an unethical game. The crazy thing about this is you're sitting here, sitting there, I'm sitting here. That you get in the right place by behaving the wrong way. I've never been in a situation my entire life where that was the case, but you sit there proud of it. Natalie. People will call you weak. People will call you undeserving. But you know what? Why are these characteristics any less admirable than lying, cheating, and stealing? Why does he, Russell, get a free pass? You're the wrong way of playing as an honest. If there's one thing I learned in this game, it's that perception is not reality. Reality is reality. And you're sitting there, and that makes you just as dangerous as these guys out there. You would say that you're probably the least deserving title of Soul Survivor, but maybe, just a environment filled with arrogance, delusional entitlement, maybe that person who thinks she's least deserving is probably the most. You got my vote. I hope you get four others. With friend and foe, we march it to the battle plan. Come to seek success, others to seek pain. We play with honor. We play for the life's game. 
and the armor of power, he will flow in day so that someday, someone, somewhere, will remember our name. Very nicely done, Chen. Golf claps for you as well. All right, we got one more monologue coming up. Here we go. But Kelly, go back to a couple times Jeff said to you. What goes around comes around. It's here. You will not get my vote. My vote will go to Richard. And I hope that this is the one vote that makes you lose the money. If it's not, so be it. I'll shake your hand. I'll go on from here. But if I ever pass you along in life again, and you are laying there dying of thirst, I will not give you a drink of water. I will let the vultures take you and do whatever they want with you with no ill regrets. You are unemployed, uneducated, leech on society, and the only thing I would vote to give you is a handful of antidepressants so that it may seem more sincere when you're really crying about your darn dead father. You don't deserve the million. I plead to the jury tonight to think a little bit about the island that we have been on. This island is pretty much full of only two things, snakes and rats. And in the end of Mother Nature, we have Richard the Snake, who knowingly went after prey, and Kelly, who turned into the rat that ran around like the rats do on the, this island, trying to run from the snake. I feel we owe it to the island spirits that we come to know and to let it be, in the end the way Mother Nature intended it to be, for the snake to eat the rat. Just like the Indian woman in my hometown, you stuck a knife in my back. Everything that goes around comes around, and Kim, you lost two, three challenges, and I felt sorry for you. But then, I decided we'd keep the weakest one, and you was the weakest one, and you rode me and Ethan and Lex's coattails to get where you are. But you're not Dorothy, and you can't click them shoes and do something miraculous this time, because your failure has caught up with you. And no, I'm not whispering like you tell me every morning. Tonight it's my turn to tell you, shush, I'm hushing you. Shut up, you're done. Ethan, the best man has won. The weak one just got drug along, and I don't care if they did hear it. The end. Well, uh, hopefully you picked up some of those uh, quotes and where they came from. Those, this was the Dramatic Reading Survivor Monologues. Thank you guys both for participating in this uh, momentous occasion. No problem, man. I had a Always a pleasure. Yeah, thank you guys so much for coming on. Hopefully we'll have you guys again, and uh, hopefully we can get some some of those uh, twists and turns that we don't see coming this season. I no more so. throwing rice and beans. No more throwing rice and beans, unless they're getting married. <laughs> Bad joke. <laughs> Let's see. Come on. We can have a, we can have a, a wedding here. Which two? Which two should get married? Which two survivors? Yeah, still on the the island. Julia and Eric. I can see it. They, obviously, they should probably be on the same tribe after the switch. Otherwise, it would be awkward. It'd be like an arranged marriage. But they sort of have that non-talking similarity. That uh... <laughs> <laughs> the invisibility. Yeah, they could they could be invisible together. Chad, you got any suggestions on who should get married? Uh, I was going to say uh, Reynolds and Allie, but Allie's gone. Uh, I would... That's a tough one. Hmm. I would say Malcolm and Andrea. 
I can sort of see that. I can see Malcolm maybe getting a little annoyed with Andrea, but uh, but it'd still be fun to watch. <laughs> All right, well, once again, thank you guys for coming on. Uh, I had a really uh, fun time talking to both of you, and uh, yeah, hope to talk to you again later. Later. Thanks for having me. Yeah, bye, guys. Well, there you had it. That was Chad and Stephanie and myself. I had a pretty good conversation. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our dramatic readings. Um, it was it's fun they were to do. Wonderful, David. I'm sure you know everything about them. Well, which one was your favorite, Jeff? I really liked the uh, dramatic reading of the snakes and rats speech. Oh, that's the one I did. So thank you. Well, um, <laughs> we really like thank our fans for listening. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Thank you guys so much for uh, for listening to the podcast. And if you ever want to be on the show, uh, let us know. We'd be more than happy to, to have you on a guest sometime. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking to the one and only Edna Ma from Survivor South Pacific and hear her thoughts on what just happened with Brandon Hance, as well as uh, how of how Dawn and Cochran are doing possibly after a Tribe Swap. Maybe they won't be, even be on the same tribe anymore. Should be very interesting. I said it should be very interesting. I love talking to Edna. She's a great guest. Yeah. And uh, be sure to check us out on our website, survivorpodcast.blogspot.com. And make sure you check us out on Facebook and iTunes, both at David and Jeff's Survivor Podcast. Also, if you like uh, if you like The Apprentice, check out uh, our Apprentice Podcast at apprenticepodcast.blogspot.com. Uh, we're still working on a name for it, so uh, if you have any ideas, let us know. But you have anything else, Jeff? I think I'm I'm good for this week, David. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Goodbye. Bye.